0: Before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Well, have you... I wanna ask some questions tonight. Have you ever prayed and you thought you knew for sure what the answer was, and then it turned out to be different? Have you ever felt that you knew how a situation was going to turn out, and then it turned out quite different from what you thought? Have you ever had a first impression about someone, and then after you got to know them, you realized they were quite different than that first impression? Well, I think most of us can say we've had some of these experiences. And I want you to know you're not alone. You're in good company, actually. In fact, this week's Torah portion teaches us that the patriarch Jacob, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel had this kind of experience too. His perceptions were not always accurate. Jacob's first impression wasn't right. On several occasions, it wasn't based on real information. And once he got more information, he had to update his first impression. His second impression was much better and it was more accurate. And so tonight I want to talk about how we can fix our own wrong impressions. And I'm concerned that some people are suffering right now because they were absolutely certain they understood how the election would go and hasn't gone the way that they thought. Or maybe they've been in another similar condition where you prayed for someone to be healed and you were so confident they would be healed, but then they weren't. How do you process that? Or or maybe during all of the troubles of this um, covid Nineteen pandemic, you thought you knew how things were going to turn out and they've turned out different. Well, how do you process things when you have an impression that turns out to be incorrect or wrong in some way? And we want to study tonight to find some answers. And one of the starting points is when we find that our own impressions were wrong, we can approach that with real humility. We don't have to cover things up. We can acknowledge what the scripture says. I only know in part. I only prophesy in part. And then in humility, we can learn, hopefully, in the future, not to box God in. Because when you box God in, you box yourself in. And if you got something wrong and others are disappointed in God because of you, be humble. You can be simple and say, I was wrong. I don't want you to suffer too much if you're in that condition. The scriptures teach us how we can handle such situations, and we can learn from the life of Jacob how to fix wrong impressions we had. And one of the reasons I love the scriptures is that they present the simple and unvarnished truth about life about human nature and the life of faith. And this week's Torah portion is a great example. Let's look at a very significant moment in the life of Jacob. It's found in Genesis 28, where Jacob's perceptions were not accurate. So let's read Genesis 28, verses 10 through 19. Starting in verse 10, it says, Jacob went out from Beersheba, and he traveled toward Haran. He came to a certain place, and he stayed the night there because the sun had set. Jacob took a stone from the place, put it under his head, and lay down there to sleep. And he dreamt that there before him was a ladder resting on the ground with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of Adonai were going up and down on it. So let's pause for a moment and just confirm the details. Jacob is asleep, he's having a dream, and what he sees in the dream is not through his eyes, it's a dream. And in the dream, he sees a ladder that reaches up to the heavens, and God's angels are going up and down on it. And these are the first details, the ladder that goes from earth to heaven, that's the first detail and it's a two-way ladder up and down that God's angels are using. That's the second detail. Now let's continue with the text in verse 13. Then suddenly Adonai, the Lord himself, was standing there next to him, next to Jacob. The Lord is standing next to Jacob, but this is still in the dream. How do we know it's still in the dream? Well, verse 16 tells us When Jacob woke up, it's not not at this moment that he's awake. So this appearance of the Lord is while Jacob is dreaming, but it still is an important detail, because in this dream, the Lord is standing next to Jacob. So in the dream, Jacob knew it was the Lord, and he knew the Lord was standing next to him. Some translations say the Lord was standing at the top of the ladder, but I think the Jewish Publication Society translation got the detail right. It says, and behold, the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. I think that's profound. And it's powerful because this is, this is a, a Jewish translation that is trying to capture accurately what the Hebrew says, and it says it very simply, the Lord stood beside him, not above the ladder, but right next to Jacob. I think that's awesome, and if you ever are wondering, like, what do you do when translations don't agree? you just got to work through it, and I like to check Jewish translations in order to find out how they handle something. And in this case, the translators were, I think, very accurate. Well, it continues. And the Lord said, I am Adonai, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you're lying, I will give to you and to your descendants. And your descendants will be as numerous as the grains of dust on the earth. You will expand to the west and to the east, to the north, into the south. And by you and your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Look, this is verse 15. Look, I am with you. I will guard you wherever you go. I will bring you back into this land because I won't leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Wow, this is a powerful, powerful message, powerful dream. In this dream, the Lord communicates as one who's standing right next to Jacob. He's not far off. He's close by. The Lord is paying very close attention as well to Jacob. He says, this land where you're lying, he sees where Jacob is. That is so awesome. And that shapes, that shapes Jacob's understanding of God. God is personal. He's not abstract. He can come near. He can enter into our time, space, physical world, and he can observe us. He sees us. He's not some prime mover who the Greek philosophers thought about, who created a universe that he remained far away from and who got things started and then just sort of let it go on its own. No, the God of Israel, the God of Torah, the God who who we serve is a God who's near us and he's with us. Verse 15 says, look, I'm with you. Look, I like that. Be observant, take notice, pay attention. Those are amplifying meanings. You pay attention, Jacob, I am with you. I won't leave you, isn't that an incredible and very personal revelation? It carries great weight for Jacob. It shapes his understanding of God. Jacob understands this is a revelation from God and about God, and it touches not only God's covenant, but Jacob's participation in that covenant. And Jacob understands this is the clear revelation of God to him. It's meant to shape his view of God, of his own future, and of God's plans. And Jacob doesn't have doubts about this being from the Lord. And yet, the Torah says, it all happens in a dream. But the scripture says that God can speak to us through dreams. So back to the questions that I raised at the beginning. What did Jacob need to fix about his first impression? What was wrong about? his first impression. That's what I want to focus on right now because that's what the next verse speaks to. It's verse 16. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, truly Adonai is in this place and I did not know it. Truly Adonai is in this place and I didn't know it. Jacob wakes up And he's quite mindful of what's just happened in the dream. And here's this comment about his own inaccurate perception, his wrong impression. He says, truly, the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Jacob's perception up to that point had not been accurate. His first impression must have been something like this. I'm out here in this place all by myself. I'm moving through this land. On my own. But what was the reality? God was in the place. God was there. And Jacob didn't even know it. And I love this. Jacob had to update his first impression with the new information. He fixed his wrong impression with new information. And with humility, he did that rather than stubbornly holding on to his earlier perception. That's so important for us. Whenever we get things wrong, we don't want to be stubborn about it. That can be hard for us, but it's important. With humility, we can say, I was wrong. That's what Jacob did, and it's a lesson for you and for me. You see, Jacob could now say, God is in this place, and I want you to pay attention. Jacob went to sleep in that place, but he didn't know anything special spiritually, It's not like he had some spiritual feeling or even a sense that the Lord was there. Nothing of the sort. He was oblivious to the spiritual situation. He was thinking about other matters. It was dark. It's time to go to sleep. He doesn't have a pillow. He takes a rock. He puts it under his head. He tries to sleep. He does sleep. He goes to sleep. He's not spiritually keen. It's not like he really was perceptive his perception was a natural perception but it was wrong it was similar to moses at the burning bush now moses remember if if you can he saw the burning bush and he was curious but he didn't know the lord was there he didn't know it was a holy place he didn't know the lord was present he just thought that's a scene that's a that's a bush burning that's not being consumed. I've never seen anything like that. And out of curiosity, he went towards that bush and he explored it. You see, Moses didn't know that the Lord was there. That's why the Lord said to Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. You see, sometimes God can be present and we don't even know it. That was the situation for Jacob. It was the situation for Moses. Jacob did not know the Lord was present. Moses hadn't known that the Lord was present. It was only when the Lord began to speak to them that they realized what was going on. It's not because their first impressions were correct. And at this moment, back to Jacob's story, Jacob proclaims, and and you and I need to look. We need to take notice of what he says. He says, truly, the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. So he could have said the Lord was in this place, but that could be misunderstood as if the Lord had been in this place but wasn't anymore. Rather, he was saying the Lord is here, and I didn't know it. And I think that is a real lesson for all of us. God can be present when you don't even know it. God can be with you when you have no spiritual sense about his presence. With all of your God-given intellect, with your God-given conscience, with your God-given spirit, you still may not know at all what God is doing at the time, and you may not even know he's right there. Jacob deals with this, with humility and with honesty. And the scripture gives us the unvarnished truth. No spin, no PR, no propaganda. No one's trying to make Jacob look better than Jacob actually was. Nope, that's not the way the scriptures work. The scripture tells us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It is so refreshing for me. You know, I think about our politicians, I think about the news media, so often people are spinning the truth in order to make their position or what they want to be, to make it more attractive or more believable, but not the scriptures. And I think when we as believers wake up, we may need to say about this time that we're living in, God is in this place, and we didn't know it. Folks, things don't have to turn out the way you thought for God to be present and at work. God's doing His thing. I hope some of you would put this in the comment section. God's doing His thing. Think about how Yeshua taught us to pray. Not my will be done, but your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You see, Jacob's first impression was wrong, and he, in humility, updated his first impression and corrected it with the new information that he now has. His second impression was much brighter. He was saying in a sense, oops, I got it wrong. God is at work. And back to the text, verse 17, that says Jacob became afraid. And he said, this place is awesome. This has to be the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. You see, now Jacob is filled with awe. The place is awesome. It's the house of God. It's the gate of heaven. And he realizes that the God of heaven is also the God of earth. The God who is far off in the heavens also can come down and be right there with him. It's incredible. And that can become a pattern for our own response. Lord, this is an awesome time. This is an awesome situation. Thank you, Lord, you're Lord of Lords, you're King of Kings, and we bow before you, Lord. We honor you. You, Lord, are awesome. Folks, I I, I wanna encourage you to have a certain attitude. Don't, Don't just hate this time that we're in. And here's why. God is at work and he's doing something good. And how can we be certain I can tell you the answer because God is always doing something good. That's what God does. He knows the hope in the future that he's planned for us. He's told us to proclaim the good news, the good news of what Messiah has done, that even in the midst of challenging situations, he will do more than we're asking or imagining. And so let's update our perceptions to reflect that. Let's go back to the text, verse 18. Jacob got up. Early in the morning, he took the stone he had put under his head, and he set it up as a standing stone, a memorial stone. He poured olive oil on its top, and he named the place Bethel, Bethel, House of God, but the town had originally been called Luz. Now, I find this just so interesting. Jacob memorialized the place. He renamed it Bethel, or House of God, and he marked the place with a memorial stone. And what was the stone? It was his pillow. It was that stone that he had put his head on and had the dream while he was sleeping on that pillow. The pillow became a pillar. The pillow that, that rock, that uncomfortable pillow. I mean, it's hard to even call it a pillow. We shouldn't, I don't know what you would call it. Who in normal circumstances would pick a stone for a pillow? Well, Jacob took that stone and turned it into a memorial. He marked the place with a memorial stone. He anointed it with oil. And even though the place had a name, Luz, for Jacob, it was now Bethel. You see, it's a great lesson for us. God is at work even when we may not fully perceive it. God is at work even when we may not perceive it at all. And just because you don't perceive the Lord at work, it doesn't mean he's not at work. He's the one who's trying to open our eyes and enlarge our perception. Folks, we're not trying to open God's eyes. We're trying to open our eyes. And our eyes, oh, our eyes need so much help. There's an important lesson in 1 Corinthians thirteen nine, that I think helps us understand how to, how to process, how to think about situations when we didn't realize how they were gonna go even though we were sure they were gonna go the way we thought, but it turned out they went differently. First Corinthians thirteen nine says this, we know in part and we prophesy in part. Another translation, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. Mishpochah, now we only know in part. We have limited perception and understanding. Now, that's the reality that the scripture wants us to recognize. The scripture doesn't want us to put God in a box and then put ourselves in a box of theological unreality where we're just imagining the way things are, but we don't really see things the way God does. You and I do have limited perception and understanding. And so what should we do? Should we just say, well, you know what? I can never know anything. No, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 21 tells us something that's so useful. It says, examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. Examine everything carefully, pay attention, dig deep, evaluate, and then hold fast to the part that was good. Now, we're given a caution here. I would put it this way. Don't fall in love with your own perceptions, and don't even fall in love with your own spiritual conclusions. Keep evaluating and stay humble. Allow God to adjust and complete incorrect. Maybe you got some part right, but not the whole thing. Maybe you didn't get any of it right, but you can let your heart be humble. Even so, God will watch over his word, not our perception, but his word in order to accomplish it. When God was calling the prophet Jeremiah when he was very young, Jeremiah had no confidence that he could hear from the Lord or that he could see even what God wanted him to see. But Jeremiah 1 verse 12 tells us about a conversation, a spiritual conversation. Jeremiah's first impression is, I'm too young. His second impression was, I can't do this. I don't know how to do it. But the Lord walked with him through that. His first and second impressions were wrong. His third impression was corrected. The Lord said to Jeremiah in verse 12, you've seen well, for I'm watching over my word to perform it. I am watching over my word to perform it. Well, here's a a really difficult test, I think, for some folks right now. If you become disappointed in the Lord, because you thought you knew for sure what the outcome of the election would be. And then now is a good time to humble yourself before God. All of us know in part, and we see in part. That's our reality. God uses this aspect of our human nature to build humility in us, to call for humility, and then to develop and reveal it in us and to remind us that we need to be dependent on God. You and I will not get everything right. We will pray sometimes and we'll have great confidence and nothing will happen the way we thought. Other times we won't understand anything, we'll pray and God will do everything. There will be times when we have no spiritual sense, no sense of anointing or no sense that God is breaking through and yet he is. There are other times we can be so uh, 100% confident that we make rash statements about someone being healed or some situation going in a certain way, and we make those statements and we think they're an expression of faith, but they turn out to be wrong. God uses our partial knowledge, our partial ability. He uses us so that we understand we need him. And when we discover that our perceptions about something were totally wrong, we can be like Jacob and humble. And we can say, the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. Or we can say, I prayed a certain way and it was wrong. There have been times when People pray for others and, you know, they're sincerely wanting someone to be encouraged. They're wanting someone to be healed. But they pray as if it's a prophecy and they declare, you are healed. I think people sometimes are taught to pray like that, but that's not how we're to do it. We don't just make those declarations. There's a risk when you make such a declaration and you're wrong and someone's not healed, you may end up blaming them, or you may end up being disappointed and ashamed. You may try to figure things out and, and you may not figure them out correctly. Be more simple. That's what we learned from the life of Jacob. And just say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have prayed like that. I shouldn't have said that. And, and also be humble before God. And one of the ways we can be humble is we can say, Lord, I thought it was going to be this way, but it's completely different than what I was so sure about. And we can say to the Lord, Lord, I thought you told me such and such. But then in humility, we lay it down before the Lord. And we say, Lord, I was so sure but I was wrong. And I laid down before you that overconfidence that I had. And it got mixed in with my faith, Lord. And I humbly acknowledge, Lord, that I was wrong. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to be more careful. Help me learn how to pray with faith and how to allow new information to correct old false impressions, or old mistakes, or mistakes I just made, and quicken in me, oh God, quicken in me, that humility that says, I need you, Lord. I need you, and it doesn't all depend on me. It does depend on you. Thank you, Lord. Well, Philippians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10, articulates a prayer. And it's the same thing that's in my heart. And this is what Paul wrote. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge, in depth of insight, so that you may be able to test and to prove what is best, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Messiah. My prayer for all of us is that love would abound more and more in us, in knowledge, in depth of insight, so that you and I may be able to test and prove what is best and stay pure and blameless for the day of Messiah. None of us fully knows what's ahead. Let's stay humble. Let's keep our eyes on the Lord, that will fortify us in these challenging times. And if, you're, if you've been disappointed because things aren't going the way you thought they should, or you prayed a certain way, or you thought you had a prophetic word about how things were going to go, be humble before God, lay that down before Him, and let Him strengthen you. You can say, I didn't know, I was wrong. I was wrong and I humble myself before you, Lord. Watch over your word, Lord, to perform it. Thank you, Lord. Well, that's what's on my heart for us this Thanksgiving weekend. And we're going to close with Aaron's blessing, and then we'll have a final worship song from Eric Painter. But first, I want to ask, would you consider a generous contribution? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all the details. Now let's close with Aaron's blessing shalom. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep watch over you, guard and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. So from Sandy and me and from the who who are taking the night off, we say thank you for joining us tonight. Shabbat shalom. See you tomorrow.